If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 495. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com, B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Give me that email address while you're there. I'll give you a free ebook and a free audiobook. You also get on my email list, which you get Great deals at McClanahan Academy. If you want to enroll at McClanahan Academy, that's free. You've already heard about that. Free to do, and you get the free class, 10 Myths of American History. You also get great deals there. I've got a new class out, Originals Papers Part 4. I'll have another one. One more come out this year, probably in October. So be on the lookout for that. And, of course, McClanahan Academy makes makes great gifts. I mean, we're going to be heading into the Christmas season before too long. I've already seen, we're in the middle of August, I've already seen Halloween decorations out. So as soon as that filters through, we're going to see Christmas decorations. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be here. We don't have very many months left before Christmas. So start thinking about that friend, that family member, that loved one in your life that could benefit from learning the Constitution, American history, the war. My best-selling class is my class on the war, which, by the way, is a great class. I was looking at it again the other day. There's so much good stuff in that class. You want that one. Uh, but, I mean, I've got uh, U.S. History Survey course, um, you know, all kinds of good stuff. Class on the Constitution, class on the Founding Fathers, class on Southern Cultural and Intellectual History, which is really good, too. That's going to serve as a nice companion to my History of the South class, which will be coming up probably next year. So a lot of good stuff out there. And as always, share the podcast around on social media, rate it where you get your podcasts, let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. So yesterday we talked about socialism, this idiotic piece by this guy, Cody Kane, who would fail History 102, which is where you would get this discussion of communism. And the, the boy, and he's just a young man, he would be, I mean, he would fail. That would be a D. I, I think I would probably give Cody Kane a D on that paper just to, uh, to get him through because I wouldn't want to see him again, right? So you give him a D, you pass him through. It's so bad that you just pass him through. But I want to focus on a piece that drove the left nuts the last couple of days on social media, and it's by Maureen Dowd. The title is Behold Barack Antoinette. It's from the New York Times. And um, very, very funny how, how the left just went crazy over this thing because you cannot criticize Barack Obama. You can't criticize him at all. He is beyond reproach. Barack Obama was the savior. He was the messiah. And he was the expression of all that was good in American society. And if you criticize the man, well, you are a terrible person. You are not a real leftist. In fact, I saw that Maureen Dowd has been uh, uh, masquerading as a leftist her entire career. She's really just a Republican. Because she had the foresight and the honesty to criticize one of the greatest charlatans in American history, and that would be Barack Obama. 
Barack Obama was interested in Barack Obama. He always was interested in Barack Obama, which is why Barack Obama has done what Barack Obama has done since he left office. And if you go back and look at his speeches, they're all about Barack Obama. It's always been about Barack and Michelle, and everybody should ostracize these people and exercise them from American from their thoughts and get them out of American society. They are a disaster, a problem, and they need to go away. And in fact, it's preposterous that we have to support these people in any way whatsoever. But of course, we do. Uh, this is the lingering problems with American society and the presidency. We create an artificial aristocracy because it is in some ways. And even though they're they're not a monarchy, I mean. Michelle Obama has talked about. I, I would not put it past Michelle Obama at some point to run for president, and I will predict now on this show, if Michelle Obama runs for president, we will have President Michelle Obama because the American public is so stupid they would do it. The lefties, I should say. not The, the lefties were so stupid they would do it um, because it's Michelle Obama. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how bad this really is. Now, maybe pieces like this would do a lot to undermine that thing, and maybe that's more what Maureen Dowd is thinking, that Michelle Obama and the Obamas are actually bad for America. They're bad for the left. They're really bad for the left. But this is bad optics, number one. And, and she gets into that. Jay Gatsby gave big, lavish, new-money parties at his sprawling mansion on the water because he wanted to seem cool. He wanted Daisy to notice him. Of course, she's talking about The Great Gatsby, the book. Barack Obama gave a big, lavish, new-money party at his sprawling mansion on the water because he wanted to seem cool. Being cool is important to him. And I think she pegged Obama. This is what Obama was all about, kind of strutting around like he did, always making faces at people, seeming like he's better than others, uh, you know, dropping the mic, all these kinds. Having the glitzy... Uh, affairs at the White House, having the, the musicians and the movie stars. This to, to Obama, that's what it really was all about. He wanted to be in the it crowd. That's what it came. He was in the court. He finally got accepted into the court. It's like the dork who finally got accepted by the cool people, and he just wants to be one of them so bad. And he fawns all over. But see this. But the dork has the real power. He's the president. So all the people are actually going to fawn all over him. What Obama doesn't realize is that his power, his popularity is fleeting. Those people would shun him in a minute if it was seen that he would be problematic. They do it all the time. Well, that person's no, no longer... Well, we're just going to... Cuomo is a great example of this. The guy was the darling of the left. Now it all comes out on these things because he really was problematic for the Democrats. So they jettison him in a second. He's gone. Cuomo will never be invited into polite society again. This is what polite society does. You have to toe the line. You have to be with them and say the right things and do the right things. Now, Obama being former president has a lot more power than people realize, but all these musicians and movie stars, and all, they, they could get tired of him and say, I'm not going to your stupid party. I don't. You were only created because you were elected. That was it. You were elected. Now, movie stars and musicians... There's certainly talent among musicians, and people like them because they like their talent. Movie stars, eh, because they are pretty and get put in a film. Um, so how much talent really is actually there for a lot of these people? But regardless, 
Uh, they're many. A lot of them are despicable people. Um, so the fact is, they're only in the it crowd because they look good, right? And Obama wanted to look good, be the cool guy. Of course, we've all seen Obama lift weights. That's all I'm going to say about that. One difference is that Gadsby opened his house to the uninvited. Obama closed his house to many of the invited after getting flack for hosting a celebrity mosh pit, as Stephen Colbert called it, while officials were telling people to mask back up. So yeah, this is bad optics. The left is out there running around. You got to wear a mask. You got to wear a mask. Oh, unless you're a vaccinated, sophisticated person at the Obama party, and then you don't. Now, of course, the numbers are coming out. There's been a spike in COVID cases in Martha's Vineyard where the party was held, where all these people were coming in. Was that because it's not because of Obama's party? No, no, no. This is just natural. But if this was if this was Donald Trump, well, then it's clearly because of Donald Trump's party. But party, but no, it's Barack Obama's party. These were sophisticated, vaccinated people, so it's just natural that there's going to be a spike in cases. It's hard to stop thinking about the over-the-top fet this former president held at the at his Martha's Vineyard mansion for his 60th birthday. It's such a perfect example of the Obama arc. As president, he didn't try hard enough on things we needed. He was a diffident debutante with a distaste for politics. Post-presidency is trying too hard on things we don't need. The culture is already swimming in Netflix deals, celebrity worship, ostentatious displays of wealth, not to mention podcasts. Did the world really need renegades, his duet with Bruce Springsteen? Of course not. I mean, this is a nice, what, this is a nice indictment of Obama. One of the nice things that George W. Bush really did was disappear. Who wants George W. Bush around? The man disappeared. He made some bad art. Of course, he's made a book out of that. Every now and then he comes out to criticize somebody. When Trump was in office, he was out there to criticize things. And I'm sure because of Afghanistan, we're going to hear some some from Bush because of that. Um, but, I mean, regardless, Bush disappeared. That's what you're supposed to do. You just become private citizen. Jimmy Carter virtually disappeared. George H.W. Bush disappeared. Ronald Reagan disappeared. Bill Clinton, with the exception of his wife, the power-hungry side of the, of the two, the duo, running for office, Bill Clinton would have disappeared. Nobody hears anything about Bill Clinton anymore, unless it's uh, because Hillary's doing something. And if Hillary wasn't doing something, Bill Clinton wouldn't be there. We know the only thing we hear about Bill Clinton was because of Jeffrey Epstein, right? So, I mean, uh, because the connection there. I mean, so there was some discussion about that. But Bill Clinton virtually went away. When he and George H.W. Bush would get out there and talk about humanitarian efforts, I mean, nobody's really going to say a word about that. Okay, yeah, it's kind of nice. We're out there. We need to do some humanitarian things. And But Clinton disappeared. Thankfully, so did George W. Bush, so did uh, so did H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan. Of course, Reagan was already suffering from Alzheimer's potentially at that point. Jimmy Carter's still alive, but you don't hear much about him. In fact, we spend less on Jimmy Carter than any other former president. That says something positive about Jimmy Carter. The man doesn't really care about having a large Secret Service detail or anything else. He just goes to church and builds houses and sits in his house, which is the same house he had when he was president. And they're in Georgia, a little ranch house. That's it. That's what Jimmy Carter has. He didn't buy a big mansion and get all this stuff. We already knew Obama gravitated to stars, but it was disillusioning to see it on such a grand scale last weekend. I think the nouveau riches Obama are seriously tone deaf, said the authority on opulence, Andre Leon Talley. We all love Beyonce, but people have so many things to worry about with COVID, voting rights, climate warming. People are afraid of being evicted from their homes, and the Obamas are in Marie Antoinette tacky, let-them-eat-cake mode. They need to remember their humble roots. This is naturally going to happen, because what 
American society does, and more importantly, what the left does, is elevate people to a status that they normally wouldn't get to. The Obamas wouldn't have been anything without power, without government. So many people now are popular because of government. It's a way for the nerds to become powerful and popular, whereas people that, I mean, pretty people, talented people might get that too because of popular media, but it's a way for the people who are not necessarily going to get those things to get the things that they want, money, power, and fame. They're not going to be, Obama would never have been a great businessman. He would never have had any of that. He never would have been anything without government. He wouldn't have made any money doing anything else. He wouldn't have been Elon Musk. Now, Elon Musk, of course, has made money because of government. He wouldn't have been Jeff Bezos, right? He wouldn't have been those people. He couldn't have been those people because he wasn't smart enough. And he wasn't daring enough, and he wasn't innovative enough. He wasn't any of those things. But government, government, party politics, all of that provided a way for him to do it. And, of course, he could capitalize on guilt in American society and become powerful. And that's exactly what he did. It's exactly what he did. He capitalized on American guilt for things that happened in the past, and he became president. Was Obama the best candidate in 2008? Heck no. And probably not even in the Democratic slate. Now, I mean, there wasn't much of a choice between McCain and Obama. Same thing in 12 with Obama and Romney. I mean, look at what the Republicans offered. We know that Ron Paul was better than all of them. But, of course, he wasn't going to be elected. Obama was as cool was a cool cat, I'm sorry, as a candidate in 2008. But after he won, he grew increasingly lofty. No, he always was that. Obama always was what he became. He pretended in 2008. He pretended in 2008. He always was lofty. This was what it was all about from the beginning. Now he's so far above the ground, he doesn't know what's cool. You can't be cool if you diss the people who took risks for you when you were a junior senator, only a few years out from paying off your student loans, taking on the fearsome Clinton machine. Well, see, this is the thing. People disown the Clintons because of Bill Clinton, because of the baggage. They got rid of him. So Obama was the guy because of guilt and other things that worked. Many of those who helped Obama achieve the moonshot, becoming the first African-American president, and then becoming uber-rich, were disinvited. See, this is kind of a a wine fest in some ways from Dowd. Well, some of the people that helped him get there were invited to his party. This is court politics being lashing out on in the New York Times. It's exactly what's happening here. Maureen Dowd is upset because she's not in the in crowd with Barack Obama anymore. In reality, I mean, that's really what's going on here. I mean, this is not anything... She's right about Obama. But she's exposing him for what he is to get back at him for not being in the in crowd anymore. It's the person that has a little bit of a voice being dissed, as she says, by the cool guy and then using their voice to out them for being a real dork. They're really just a dork. This is you can't buy me love from the 1980s now playing out with the Obamas. Obama bought his way in. He was helped. By the rich, by the pretty rich girl, helped out. He was the dork, but he was actually, I mean, kind of a good guy, but a dork, but you know, but he's helped out by the pretty rich girl. He becomes popular and then he disses the pretty rich girl, and then of course he loses his popularity. Now that's what Maureen Dowd is trying to do. 
because her pretty rich girl outs him eventually for being what he actually was. The party crystallized the caricature of the Democratic Party that Joe Biden had to fight against in order to get elected. Well, it's because it's not the character. It's the true nature of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is the 1%. When I talked about yesterday that that idiot Cody Kane says, the Marxists really are the 99%. No, they're not. They're the 1%. Now, he would say these are all right-wingers, which, of course, is wrong. The Democrat Party, though, is the 1%. The real fact in America is that there's no political party that represents America. There's no political party that represents middle-class Americans who don't really want socialism. They want to be able to make money if they can. They, but a lot of Americans just want to get by. They want to have a house, and they want to have a car. Nice car, a nice house, not a one-bedroom flat with a Yugo, and they can't buy blue jeans like you, like you would in a socialist dictatorship, which is what socialism devolves to. But, uh, and they want to be able to go on vacation and attend a ball game and go to a movie they want to be able to do these things. They're aware that there's risks out there in society, and these are things that happen. But regardless, the Democrats are always the 1%. They're the managerial class. They are the establishment. It was as far from Flint and, and Scranton as you can imagine. An orgy of the 1%, private jets, Martha's Vineyard, limousine liberals, and Hollywood whoring, complete with a meat-free menu. The disinvitados, as one referred to them, were in four camps. Some didn't care. Some pretended they didn't care, some were annoyed, and some were deeply hurt, especially loyal former staffers who felt that they had contributed more to the Obama legacy than the likes of George Clooney, John Legend, and John Cheadle. Look at those three, right? Legend, Clooney, and Cheadle. Now, Cheadle is only popular because of a Marvel superhero movie. Now, he was good in a few other things, right? But John Legend, again, a musician who was also... I mean, so people like his music. But George Clooney, again, a good actor, but... He, he makes a living. He and Cheadle make livings playing somebody else. In Cheadle's case, a guy that flies around in a robot suit, right? And this guy's supposed to be some great star. There were pop-up Plan B gatherings on the island and gallows humor among the iced. One joke that he would have liked to go mostly to see the old Obama gang from campaigns, except, oops, they weren't there. Colbert, who was this invited, joked that he was axed because the president had to limit the guests to only his closest Beyonce's. One person who was, who was thrilled to be disinvited, and you can guess who that was, when we got a call from the former president's assistant, Larry David, who has a home on the island, figured he was going to be asked to perform. He went into a tailspin, trying to think of what routine he'd come up with in the next three days. So, David, Larry David, the guy that created Seinfeld, who's a left-winger. I mean, Seinfeld's hilarious, by the way, and uh, you curb your enthusiasm, but uh, he didn't really want to go because he thought he had to perform. I was pretty glum when I finally called back his assistant, David said in an email. When he told me I was 86 from the party, I was so relieved I screamed, Thank you, thank you! He must have thought I was insane. Then I hung up the phone, poured myself a drink, and finished my crossword puzzle. But see, this is the, the left goes and lives at Martha's Vineyard. This is the enclave. Go live at Martha's Vineyard, where the, uh, where the in crowd lives and uh, can, can congregate. And the deplorables, the uh, sophisticated vaccinated people, will live here in Martha's Vineyard, away from the deplorables and in our, in our uh, gated communities. Uh, John Kerry will take a plane to see Barack Obama, and, uh, and, uh, but he'll say that you flying on a plane is bad for the environment. Whether the party was 500 or 330, Obama should have made sure to have the people there who made the moment possible. The ones who worked so hard to get him elected and cement his legacy. This is the, this is, Dowd's hurt. 
Dobbs hurt. David Axelrod, Pygmalion to Abomina's Galatea, was a disinventado, when he, which he handled with his usual grace. Rahm Emanuel, the former Obama chief of staff who helped him navigate the first two successful years of his presidency, was also disinvited and quipped in the Times in the Times story by Ann Carney that getting voted off the island was character building. Emanuel was a tyrant. But yes, I mean, you've called the first two years of Obama's presidency successful. Well, successful in ruining the United States, but certainly successful in terms of a left-wing agenda. Obama would not have been president if Nancy Pelosi had not subtly put her high-heeled shoe on the scale for him against Hillary Clinton and her chances to be the first woman president, and he would not have gotten health care passed without Pelosi. She wasn't there. It was a bombshell when Caroline Kennedy endorsed Obama in 2008, along with her uncle Teddy, a turning point in the primary against Hillary. After being disinvited from the party, Kennedy had the speaker at her home on the island for dinner. I would have disinvited me if I was him, she joked. So she had Pelosi over for dinner after being disinvited. I would have disinvited me if I was him, she joked. David Geffen, whose endorsement of Obama in break with Hillary was instrumental, didn't even get an an invite. One disinventado joked that he's going to throw a surprise 61st birthday party for Obama as long as they have anything to do with passing health care, rescuing the auto industry, and saving the economy from a Great Depression. He said they're invited. So this is the thing. I mean, this is what Maureen Dowd is getting into. The people that got Obama and made Obama were not invited. The people that Obama just likes because he wants to be the in crowd, they were invited. But you see, this is a nice example, and go back to the piece I talked about yesterday with Cody Kane. This is exactly what the left does. The left seeks power because that's what they really want, power. Government is about power. It's about power for power's sake and holding and maintaining that power. Back in 1994, when the Republicans took the Congress and they talked a lot about reigning in government, they didn't do it. Why didn't they do it? Because they got into Washington and they figured out this is a pretty good gig. The Democrats had figured that out a long time before that, which is why they've always been interested in maintaining their own power and influence. They don't want anybody to take that away from them. They will do everything in their power to maintain power, including lying and everything else that's involved. What Cody Kane was talking about the Republicans doing is exactly the same playbook the Democrats have been doing for decades. Decades. They will do it over and over again. They will will ignore the rule of law. It will be a rule of men. They don't care. The rules don't apply to them. Obama's party is a nice example. Mask up. Do the things we can to prevent COVID. Don't get in large gatherings. This is what they've all been saying. Unless it's a left-wing gathering, and then the rules don't apply to them. This is why Americans don't like the left. It's why Americans don't trust the left, and why, in reality, probably, if it wasn't for some the ability of people to ballot harvest and other things in the 2020 election, Donald Trump is still president of the United States. If elections are held normally in 2022 or 2024, I don't think the Democrats retain Congress, and I don't think they get the presidency again. I think Americans have lifted the veil of these people, and they realize how bad they are. Now, Trump was no winner. Trump had all kinds of problems. Trump would speak one way and do something else. And that Cody Kane piece actually pointed that out at one point. 
But the real thing is Americans in the middle class, the forgotten man, and this is what, for all the problems Sean Hannity has, and he has a lot of them, he, during the 2016 election, he talked about this a lot. It was the forgotten man. It was the middle class that was being forgotten. You had the rich getting deals, corporate welfare and other things, and then you had the poor getting deals, but who's in the middle getting squeezed? You see, socialism and communism is not about the middle class. It's about the poorest elevating the poorest of the middle class and bringing the middle class and the upper middle class and the rich down to the poor. That's really what it's about, except for those who are more equal than others who get into positions of power, like the Obamas, and they can show lavish displays of nouveau riche, newly acquired wealth. This is, they are part and parcel of the Gilded Age just in 2021. Are we in the 1920s again? Are we seeing a situation where we're going to run smack dab into a major disaster? I don't know. I mean, uh, we've got a pretty belligerent and expansive China. Uh, Russia is certainly no friend of the United States right now. We've got the situation in the Middle East, which I'll talk about uh, on tomorrow's episode. The neocons are all in a froth over what's happening in Afghanistan. And we've got very high inflation and some real economic indicators that don't look too good for the future of the United States economy. What's going to happen from there? I don't know. Um, But uh, the best thing we could all start doing is thinking locally and acting locally and trying to create strong communities, strong local governments, good networks of people to help take care of each other when things, if things, or when things go bad. Uh, These are things we needed to do, and we've seen the power of states in resisting the central government with things like vaccine passports and and, uh, uh, COVID restrictions and other things. We've seen what the states can do. The left is going to abuse them. This is why a governor like DeSantis or Kay Ivey or other people who have stood up, I mean, they really should be applauded for that uh, because the, the abuse on these people is coming from all directions. And to stand there and take it and continue unpopular measures on the mainstream media is amazing uh, when you think about the backbone that actually takes. Uh, Cuomo uh, was never going to, he was always going to buckle, I mean, because he is one of them. So as soon as they put pressure on him, he's gone because he was bad for business for the Democrats. Once they came out that Cuomo was actually doing things harmful to people in New York, he had to go. So anyways, all that said, I think the Dow piece is an, is an indicator as to where the left wants to go. They want to jettison this Obama era. I think it's, it's an indicator. They want to jettison the Obama era, show it as being glitzy and glamorous and bad. They don't want to be they don't want to be recognized as the managerial class. They want to be the working class again, right? We're just working class people. The problem is Americans don't believe that anymore. And so we'll see what happens. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.